Emmanuel Levy of Variety called it a noisy, soulless, self-conscious pastiche that mixes elements of sci-fi, action-adventure, and romance, then pours on a layer of comedy replete with Hollywood in-jokes. Vincent Canby of the New York Times described it as a significant artifact of our time, or at least of this week. And Newsweek's David Anson called it a movie that should have been fun and isn't. On this episode of Ruined Childhoods, we determine the fate of Demolition Man. Which one will it be? Greetings, Starfighters, and welcome to Ruined Childhoods. I am very happy to be here talking to you right now. You specifically, John. You you sound crazy right now. I have a lozenge in my mouth, you know? Yeah, we're just going to have to deal with that for the next few minutes. I am in... I'm in tech for a few good men. If you listened, to, if this is not the first time listening to the show, you've if you listened to our "A Few Good Men" episode, definitely you've heard me talk about the theatrical production I'm staging of "A Few Good Men." Yes, I'm sorry, John. The lozenge is hitting the teeth. Um, <laughs> um, okay, would you like me to do some talking for a bit so, to give you time to lozenge up? <laughs> Let's just say right now my I I've been running around all day every day throughout the high school and the theater in the high school and inhaling a good amount of sawdust mm-hmm. and paint fumes. So my throat's definitely a little raw, but lozenge in in process and that <laughs> will uh so that that should help us out. So John, go ahead. Riff. Well, I'll just say while while you are lozenging up, while your throat is being uh, manicured uh, from the inside, everything is working its way to make your throat feel a little bit better. Uh, I'm gonna go over just what this show is for anybody who's just like searching for Demolition Man on their podcast app and are just like, huh, what's this? Well, let me tell you, Ruined Childhoods is a show where. Me, John, and Dan, Captain Lozenge over there, uh, we talk about (laughs) classic and cult movies and a few outliers here and there uh, and go over the possibilities if if they were to be uh, revived, whether it be by a reboot, if it's more of a franchise or, or something needs to be kind of... Re- reinvigorated for these times or if it's a yeah. remake or a sequel or a prequel or some sort of adaptation um we just kind of riff on that kind of thing and we welcome uh emails from our listeners ruinedchildhoodspod at gmail.com and the title of the show is is based on the idea that a remake of a classic or cult movie could potentially ruin some ruin someone's childhood, as uh, people uh, sometimes say. And to that, we say, "Your childhood's fine. Calm down. Yeah, we're good. Yeah. Of all the things that can seriously ruin someone's childhood, a reboot or sequel or remake is nowhere on that list. So you'll be fine. Calm down. Yeah. Yes." So you can like some of the Star Wars movies and not others. It's okay. You have no obligation to George Lucas. He has your money. He's fine. He does he does he even have any part in those anymore? Cuz he sold it all off. Yeah, I mean, I think you know I'm sure I mean, I don't know. I'm sure they consult him. I'm sure, you know maybe not. I don't know. Now that it's Disney, it's just like George Lucas is just somewhere in Northern California, like in a, he's got like a lair somewhere underneath the Golden Gate Bridge. Huh. Somewhere. Yeah, that'd be fun. He's in there and like, you know, once a month, 
he and Coppola and De Palma and who else? Spielberg. Yeah, they just sit Spielberg. around. And, they they sit around and do their Jar Jar Binks impressions. <laughs> so uh, oh my God, that's sometimes ridiculous. we do um, kind of remake and reboot news. Um, I honestly haven't had a chance to really look anything up. Do you have something? I got something for you, John. So um, HBO recently premiered their their uh, series oh, adaptation of Watchmen, and I uh, last night, um, you know, found myself with the energy to watch the uh, the first episode, and. I'm really into it. I'm excited. I'm going to try to get episode two in uh, later tonight, perhaps. Mm. I don't know if I'm going to watch it just because I have so many other things that I want to tackle. And that one, for me, feels like a lower priority. Well, what's your familiarity with the the original, like the the graphic novel? Uh, Zero. I mean, I saw Uh, the movie. But I haven't okay. read the graphic novel. Okay. Um, for the record, I I didn't really have any problems with the film. And I had read the graphic novel. And I had always been intrigued by it. And, um, you know, read it several years ago. And it was, you know, I read it long before the movie came out. And, you know, I thought, I, I actually felt like, Zack Snyder, and I'm sure a lot of like diehard Watchmen fans would uh, might disagree, but I actually felt Zack Snyder uh, did a good job with it, and I thought he was the right choice for it. Uh huh. Maybe not the right choice, but I thought he was a good choice for it. I mean, honestly, like I would love to see David Fincher adapt Watchmen. I mean, from what I remember about the movie, is that it's. I mean, it's pretty out there. Like, it's not your standard, I don't know. I I think that if you're watching that movie, you have to ha- at least have an understanding of what the origin of the property is. Yeah, I could definitely see being a lot more, con- like, I could see myself being really confused if I didn't, if I wasn't familiar with the book. Yeah. So, um, but a lot of anyway, great performances in it. Billy Crudup, uh, Malin yeah. Ackerman. There's, I mean, strong cast. Yeah. Matthew Good. Yeah. Uh, Matthew Great, who... if you ask me. <laughs> I didn't, but that's fine. Um, that's okay. So, but yeah, anyway, so the series is, it, it's kind of, it picks up several years. I um, I couldn't tell you how many years, but it picks up you know, several years after the events of the the original Watchmen. I want to say it's like maybe 30 years later. And it's in this alternate future where like, because in, in Watchmen, Richard Nixon ends up like being president through, uh, he's like still president in 1985. Uh-huh. In, in the graphic novel, like in the graphic novel, like the Watchmen win the Vietnam War, like, um, What's his name? The Joker, or not the Joker? Um, uh, who played him in the movie? The uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan played him in the movie. Um, oh, okay. So he, so like they win the Vietnam War, and like Richard Nixon just keeps winning terms. But now it's Robert Redford is president, and mm-hmm. he's like. You know, you could tell he's really just from who supports him and who doesn't that he's really liberal. And it's kind of like it's this very relevant feeling commentary um, about racial conflict Mm -hmm. in America. It's um, mostly set in and around Tulsa, Oklahoma. Right. And I, I really like. It took me a while, like I really had to kind of process it, but I I really enjoyed it. I really liked where they were going. They gave you enough pieces connecting the series with the, you know, the events of the book, and I guess you could also say the film. You know, 
they're not exactly they're not you know filling in all the dots as you might say um okay that is right away a very inside reference to something that no one also know what we're saying but yet you still get what i mean ah yeah yeah yeah. so anyway they're not connecting all the dots um but or filling that's only in episode one um there's some really great performances in it uh regina king yeah, I mean the 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 ads for it all make it look really fascinating. Uh, it's I mean, interesting. I was really on the fence. It's interesting to know that it continues on. It's it's not replacing the you know the the books or the movie. It's just a continuation of them. Yeah, exactly. Is it, there's enough of the source material there? You, you know what it feels like. It feels like something that we would have suggested as a follow-up to The Watchmen, where it's like, well, something that would be interesting is like, 30 years in the future, where do we pick up? But what's interesting, though, is this series seems to be really focused on like race, racial tension and race relations, whereas the book really wasn't. Mm-hmm. And... It's interesting how the series adds that to the timeline by definitely giving the roots like in 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 the pilot. And I mean, I'm not spoiling anything, but like the place where all the white supremacists live is called Nixonville. Uh huh. And it's basically a trailer park. And it's. Really interesting. It's really interesting. And I look forward to seeing more of it. Well, along the lines of a, I guess, parallel universe future, let's talk about Demolition Man. Ah, yes. Demolition Man. I'm trying to remember when the beginning of that is supposed to take place. I think that that's The beginning of that is 1996. 96. And the movie came out in 93. Got it. Yeah, so... Things get really bad in those three years. I guess so. Jeez. Yes. The Hollywood sign is on fire. That's like what I remember most about that. Everything... Well, uh, I mean, geez, John, I mean... (laughs) Well, as we're as we're speaking, there are like pretty serious. I mean, the fires, it's implied that the fires in 1996 Los Angeles of Demolition Man are arson. Um, Right. But as we speak, there are deadly fires spreading all throughout California. This is true. So way to be a total bummer right now. Okay, Reminding us of real things going on. Sorry uh, about that. <laughs> so, um, yes, Demolition Man uh, stars Sylvester Stallone. Um, we've got Sandra Bullock. Oh, Sandra Bullock, who is in Practical Magic with Margot Martindale, who is oh, in Lorenzo's Oil. That's the one. It also has Rob Schneider, who is uh, in Ridiculous Six with Nick Nolte, who is in Lorenzo's Oil. That's something else that we do on this show. We try to link the movie that we're talking about <laughs> through the actors or director with the classic film that people don't really even remember, Lorenzo's Oil. It's not a classic film, but it's a movie. Well, I, I mean, it, it was it was nominated for several Academy Awards. It has not necessarily anyway stayed as, remained as prominent as other films from that period. Anyway, back to We've De- also Demolition got... Man is a film from that period. This is true. This is true. Yeah. So we also have um, Dennis Leary. And uh, there's... A few other people who you'd recognize throughout. Jack but Black pops up. Jack Black, I don't think he has any lines. No, he oh, just Oh, did I even mention up. Wesley Snipes? I didn't mention Wesley Snipes. Did you, you didn't mention Wesley Snipes? <laughs> no. Oh my, yeah. <laughs> the uh, second of lead of this movie. So, yeah, I'm going to try to make this synopsis brief, but um, I, I'm blanking on his name, but Sylvester Stallone is a cop who's kind of like a- John Spartan. John Spartan, right. And great, John's, great name. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely insane. And this is basically his like audition for Judge Dredd. Well, which, that's what I kept on thinking about Judge Dredd while I was watching it too. So yeah, anyway, he plays uh, Spartan, who is a like super cop who 
kind of plays by his own rules, but he gets the job done. And his main, well, it's true. He he just always blows a lot of shit up along yes, the does. way. Yes, he does. He's a demolition man. Hence the name demolition yeah. man. Or he and really likes the police. As that, in the, the band. Right. Who have the song, like, is it in the end credits or something? Yeah, well, Sting remade Sting, it for right. the movie. So we've got Spartan and his, like, main nemesis is nemesis, Simon Phoenix, yes. uh, played by Wesley Snipes. Brilliantly. Like. Yes. What a ca- what a character. A lot of great, uh, very, very dynamic choices made for that character. Um, the, like, bleach blonde hair. Uh-huh. Uh, he... He inspired Dennis Rodman. He did. He absolutely yeah. did. So, um, <laughs> I don't know the, if that's a good thing. Well, it's just, it happened. Yeah. So, at the beginning of the movie, which takes place in 1996, which is uh, the future, if you're watching the movie when it comes out, but clearly the past now, um, Spartan finally catches Simon Phoenix. But as a result, a bunch of people, like hostages, died. And for that reason, Spartan is arrested. And the, the process at that point uh, for incarceration is cryogenically freezing the prisoners. <laughs> Which, by the way, if you're familiar with the original Austin Powers, International Man of Mystery, they... I love how they parody this in that. Which is so interesting that this movie is worthy of parody in, in, in like a spy movie. Yeah, yeah like a, it really, it doesn't fit, but I'm like, they're totally doing Demolition Man. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, because you have the scene, you know, you have um, Sylvester Stallone like completely nude getting frozen. Mm-hmm. And of course he's in like, a really cool like pose getting into it. And yeah, when it's Austin powers, it's comical. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, uh, what, what's the year that we then zap to? We go to 2032, 2032, which is rapidly which is approaching still the future for us, still the future, but man, oh man, it's going to be here before we know it. It's soon. And I, uh, the, so Simon Phoenix is up for parole, allegedly. We we later find out that it is actually a plan to bring mm-hmm. him back in order to eradicate these like underground dwellers who are tr- like shaking up the system. And they uh, live. They basically like live off the grid. It's punk. It's kind of like if you imagine. All right. Uh, hopefully. You know, people listening to this will follow the the comparison, but um, if you've either seen the the movies or read the books for the Hunger Games, mm-hmm. it's almost as if District Twelve was underneath the Capitol. Yeah. <laughs> That's the best way I can describe it. And it's like they're they're like they have this whole underground world, and they live off the grid, and they basically like steal food from. They rob from the rich and give to the poor and they, you know, like that's, they choose to not live by the rules of, of society. It's a very dystopian film. It's yeah. And it's like, if that was explored more, I bet that there's a lot more you could get into. What's up? Well, and I, this might be the appropriate time to share this, but as, as you might've also um, read, this was kind of apparently it was based on this hungarian novel um that was published in 1986 and um hungary especially in 1986 uh as a soviet republic was very you know um it was very much not necessarily the society that is represented in 2032 san angeles which is what they called Right. Los Angeles now. Um, but it it's really interesting because I hadn't looked that up at, at, at first and I was watching it and I was like, this is very, um, you know, it reminds me so much of that type of 
like a dystopian novel and so many dystopian novels are written because of circumstances, right. you know, 1984 as the classic example. But it's, um, yeah, apparently the author, um, uh, whose name is uh, Istvan Nemir, is uh, he basically said a committee proved that 79% of this movie is identical to his book. Oh, um, really? Which is called, <laughs> it's called, the English title is Fight of the Dead. The uh, Hungarian title, I don't, don't know, I'm probably not pronouncing this right, but Holtak Harka. Uh, and it was yeah published in 1986 and it, in the novel a terrorist and a counterterrorism soldier are cryogenically frozen then awakened in the 22nd century to find violence has been purged from society i got to read this yeah and he chose not to sue because it would have been too expensive for him to hire a lawyer and like take on hollywood and he said he was like, I'm not the only writer that Hollywood did this to. He said, especially after the fall of the Iron Curtain, you know, uh, like, you know, late 80s, early 90s, you know, which this movie was released in mm -hmm. 93. He said a lot of and, and apparently there was like someone who illegally sold his idea to these to the filmmakers, I guess, to, huh. to Joel Silver. Yeah. Oof. And. But yeah, he's he said Hollywood plagiarized works of many Eastern European writers after the fall of the Iron Curtain. So it it it's interesting to think of of this film in that context and then also wonder, you know, okay, so what else might have been right. stolen? Yeah, from Yeah. Wild. Anyway, it's no, yeah, it makes so a lot of sense. It's really yeah, it's really yeah, it's funny because I wrote um in my notes here, I was like, it's totally a Soviet state. You know, they believe in equality, not equity. Mm -hmm. And it like that was, you know, hungry, but not in <laughs> this way. Yeah. I, I mean, it, that makes a ton of sense. And I really now want to read this book. Uh, Be well. I, I mean, come on. Yeah. So, um, there are a lot of, I'm trying to think of where I left off with the synopsis, but uh, right, the plot to uh, unfreeze Simon Phoenix was a ploy by like the police commissioner. I forget exactly what his title is, but he's basically the guy who he's Dr. Co Cocteau. But he developed like the, right? the, he the, developed the civilization. Like the new, yeah. Yeah. This new, this new like dystopian civilization is doctor. Right. It's like the Cocteau Doctrine or something like that, mm -hmm. and um, has nothing to do with the Cocteau Twins. No, but it has a lot to do with Otho from Beetlejuice because he yes, is his Otho right hand man. Uh, so yes, yeah, it's his plan to unfreeze Simon Phoenix to kill Dennis Leary's character who. Uh, is essentially he would he would never admit to being the leader of these let's just call them district 12 but uh he really is and uh he's the he's the loudest voice yeah he is the leader yeah so once simon phoenix uh escapes from the prison lab whatever you cryo want to prison. call it cryo prison uh mm -hmm. and he starts terrorizing everything in sight pretty much uh this one cop who has a fascination with the 1990s played by sandra bullock uh is the only one <laughs> who uh, kind of has the vision to i don't know kind of see into his world and then the idea comes about to unfreeze the one person who might be able to catch him sylvester stallone so, uh, yeah. which nobody agrees with, but it's kind of like, well, got to figure this out somehow. We have to use actual 90s mentality in order to catch a, a, a terrorist with 90s <laughs> mentality. Um, and it's, you know, there's a lot of it that's played for comedy, you know, very fish out of water. Somebody uh -huh. who's, I mean, I feel like he adjusts to 
the shock of being so far into the future pretty easily, all things considered. Yeah, he just like every basically like, oh, it's everything. The future now. Okay. Yeah, it's just like, huh, huh, Taco Bell, huh. I don't know what that impression was. No, but um, that's a good thing to mention is that Taco Bell is like the only restaurant now, and it's like classy. Because it won the restaurant wars, which is funny because now they have classy Taco Bells. That's true. The Cantino Taco Bells, right? Something yeah. like that. And although what's interesting, though, is they also say that in the new laws under Cocteau, anything spicy is illegal, so... And Does there's Taco no Bell stop, and there's no meat. Oh, I believe that's that, right. that I believe that something comes up about no meat. So it's just like bean and avocado, maybe bean, rice, lettuce, avocado, yeah. tomato, but like nothing, nothing spicy. spicy. Yeah, cilantro is cilantro too exotic? It think? could be, um, but when Taco Bell is the only option. You get what you get. You're, you're, yeah, man. Never, I was like, run for the border. Like, as I was about to say the Taco Bell slogan, I was like, that's. How about Yo Quiero Taco Bell? We'll go with that one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so. Um, anyway, there, there's the whole process of um, Sandra Bullock's character teaching Sylvester Stallone about, you know, life at that time while they're mm-hmm. also trying to um, catch Simon Phoenix. And there were a lot of things about the vision of the future that are kind of like, huh, okay, there's autonomous cars. Um, yep. I mean, the I, I'm going to say utopian because that's the vision that they had. Um, right. That ideal is not something that we're anywhere near, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it, it, the world of, um, of this movie does not seem anything like the future we have now or look like we're going towards, but, uh, I don't know. There were a few, like the, um, video calling and stuff like that is very much like, oh yeah, we have that. Um, yeah. And yeah, I don't know. Uh, one other thing that I noticed was that in Schwarzenegger is like Schwarzenegger, Sylvester Stallone's room. Sorry, Stallone. I I corrected myself. It's been a long day. No, it was I, yeah. it was we're we're on daylight saving day, and my kid woke up at three thirty this morning. Oh boy, okay. yeah, and we're right now it's eight thirty at night, so I'm a little yeah. tired. Um, no, so no, no, Stallone, no, 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 and so the the screen in his room is kind of it's like uh, vertically positioned, kind of like smartphone video alignment. Oh yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like you know what that wouldn't surprise me if that kind of became common to well yeah, hang and your not to mention like although apparently in their future it is perfectly legal to FaceTime while you're driving, right. Yeah, which well, she it's does. autonomous driving, so why not? Yeah. Oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Uh, uh. The uh, and there's like I said, there's a lot of things that are played for comedy, like the mystery of the three seashells. So instead of toilet <laughs> paper, there are just three seashells. He doesn't know how to use the three shells. That's it's Rob Schneider's best line in in that movie. You know what? It's it's a really fun. I don't know, moment. It's a really just like quirky thing that they threw in there that they didn't have to. But it's kind of like, yeah, you know what? They probably would have less paper, although they certainly use plenty of paper during the... Uh, the profanity. The, uh, the profanity system. Though I though I, I don't get the sense that before the arrival of Simon Phoenix and John Spartan that they actually use much paper. It doesn't seem right. like anyone actually breaks that rule. Yeah. Though I feel like a lot of the words that they were saying that were that they were being fined for, um, I mean, you can say those on like network television now, whereas... <laughs> oh, I mean, you could say the words that it got the R rating for on yeah. network television. I mean, That's like uh, Fosse Verdon, which we're big fans of here big on Moon Childhoods. Um, you know, yeah, they're dropping F-bombs. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So 
I mean, I got that, to keep uh, two for a few good men. <laughs> uh, that aspect of it didn't seem like okay. It's like that one. It's like eh, I can I can see some of this stuff, but that one is one. But that if I it goes, it's what's interesting is though. Even though, like, all right. So you're saying, so, as you were saying, like their 2032 is not very similar to our. T- you know, 2019 soon to be 2020. But right. if you look at a lot of the aspects of it, like the very, the overly sanitized. Sure. Mm-hmm. It's almost like not, not the type of, you know, right wing conservatism that we have in politics today, but you know, the type, the more evangelical, like, like the kind of like, George W. Bush, like, born again. Right. You know, like, you know, God has put me in the White House. That, you know, back in the good old days. um, Jeez. I feel like that type of, you know, it's like the extreme vision of that, of the evangelical right, is almost that type of society. Yeah, that's a good point. I... I mean, the one thing is it did not, there did not seem to be any type of like race or ethnicity boundary or tension. Right. I mean, you know, just kind of spitballing from your point, the, I guess, rebuttal would be that, you know, those people that are, you know, on that side of politics also support things that are outlawed or um mostly outlawed in the future of demolition man like guns like the police don't carry guns um that part of the culture isn't a thing they're only you can only find them in museums but it's interesting because so then it's kind of like this combination of extreme right extreme left it's almost like Mm -hmm. people who are like um I don't know, Romney Sanders voters. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I don't know if Romney is even extreme enough. But You mean Pierre Delecto? Oh, yes, Pierre. <laughs> Monsieur Delecto. All right, back to Demolition Man, though. Right. Simon Phoenix definitely does not obey any of these laws. <laughs> oh, certainly not. So, I mean, I could go into the whole thing, but, ba- but basically uh, Stallone's character discovers these underground dwellers uh, and they make the connection of why everything is going down the way that it's going down. And what at first, you know, he's kind of fighting off these people, but comes to realize pretty quickly that they are not Mm -hmm. the enemy. They are the ones that are kind of being hunted and, um, I don't know. Everything works out at the end after some big explosions. Yes, there are some big explosions. There are some fantastic, uh, there's just some great action in it. The type, and it's like, we don't see that type of action in action movies anymore. And there just was something more (sighs) believable (laughs) about it. I don't yeah. know if that's the right word. Well, but I mean, more tangible about Simon it. Simon Phoenix is doing like karate. Yeah, although Wesley Snipes is like a black belt. Oh, for sure, but he's doing like hand-to-hand combat a lot of the times. It's yeah, you know, pretty old-fashioned. Yeah, in a, in, of course, in some ways because he certainly uses plenty of crazy guns too. Oh yeah. Yeah, but it's, I I think the action is really fun. Um, I mean, I remember, I remember seeing this movie in the theater when it Ooh, came out. Please do tell. In 1993 at the Menlo Park Mall Cineplex Odeon. Just to think, Menlo Park, New Jersey, the birthplace of Thomas Edison. The, of the light bulb. Of the light of bulb. Of cinema. Cine- exactly. The birthplace of cinema essentially. Mm -hmm. And then here, and then here we are all these years later, the lights come on, you know, like the, the, the bulb comes on of the projector and demolition man 
is shot onto the the silver screen, you know, a mile away from where the whole medium was invented. That's pretty magical. And then you're in there and you're there in the theater. It's evolution. And there I was (laughs) to witness it. There I was at that moment. And I just, you know, yeah, that was, that was what I was thinking. Do you remember anything about the experience or just where you were? Um, I pretty much, I mean, I remember I went to, I remember it was at Menlo Park Mall and I don't really remember who I went with. Um, <laughs> but I mean, it would have been like a bunch of guys. Um, yeah. When well, you were like, I, what, I, 16? Yeah. Going on, like just going on 16. Mm-hmm. And I mean... Yeah, you know, it was going, you know, we just went to the mall and saw the movie. I think it was like a Sunday afternoon. And so, yeah. So watching it the other night, one thing that I noticed about this movie is that the, with the exception of like the practical special effects for like the cryo freezing and all, you know, and things like that. Um, the special effects were pretty bad. Uh, <laughs> I was watching it and I was like, somebody could do better special effects on like their phone now. You know where I thought in, cer- in certain places, you know what it kind of reminded me of? What's that? Masters of the Universe. Oh, like the, the, the like laser gun going off? Yeah. 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 Like kind of that level. We know Masters of the... I mean, you know, all due respect to Masters of the Universe, but... Oh, it's classic. You know, not the highest, but, you know, did not have much of a budget. <laughs> no, and it shows, but that's part of its character. Yeah, and if you listen to our episode on Masters of the Universe, um, you'll hear more about that. Yeah, I just feel like it, this, the special effects weren't... It's not that they weren't quite there... It's like I feel like they were just poorly managed for this particular movie because there's plenty of other movies from that time where it's like they can get an explosion pretty good, whereas here well, it's like looks pretty garbagey. I mean, yeah, we're we're kind of we're we're in '93. It's you know two years post Terminator Two, mm-hmm. which to me is the turning point in yeah like special effects in movies. Absolutely, yeah. Um, you know during during that period, Terminator Two that you know, kick-started it, and then Jurassic Park. Right. In 93. Yeah, 93. So, I don't know. I felt like they could have done a little bit better with some of the special effects. That said, a lot of the more practical effects I thought looked really good. Yeah. So, throwing that out there. I thought it was a lot of fun. I think Wesley Snipes... It's a fun movie. There's a lot of funny moments. Uh, Mm -hmm. You get a a, a good Dennis Leary rant or two. Um, oh yeah, yeah. He it's definitely, just, yeah. He whips out some Dennis Leary routine. Yeah, for sure. Right. And uh, I, I mean, personally, I feel like this is, you know, the Sylvester Stallone that I grow very tired of very quickly. It's just a very there's a lot of machismo, and it's just all about like, look at my muscles, and yeah. <laughs> a lot of the rest of his character is like trying to be super funny, but it just doesn't land. And a lot of it comes with like the profanity detectors and things like that. Um, Yeah. And, you know, he plays a lot of things for comedy that would be so much funnier if the delivery was good. And I feel like he just didn't have it. I don't know. I think that, (laughs) I think that he's, fantastic in a lot of his other movies especially the earlier ones clearly you know like first blood or you know the rocky movies i mean i really like i i like stallone in this period because i i um cliffhanger which i believe was also 93 Mm -hmm. which i thought was very good cliffhanger i like a lot because He's not trying to be something that he isn't, you know? He does kind of the tortured thing, like the tortured hero in that. Right. 
Yeah, which in this, it's like, yeah, I kind of, I see your point. I kind of see Demolition Man, though, as more of like a comic book movie that just wasn't based, it it wasn't based on a comic book. Apparently it was based on a Hungarian novel. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But it kind of, so for me, I think I just, I kind of forgive a lot of that. Um, I I also don't buy... Sylvester Stallone and Sandra Bullock together. Oh, no, that yeah, that has always bothered me. Yeah, because never... she's she's kind of a geek, you know? She collects 90s memorabilia. Well, she's kind of a geek. She's also like what 30 years younger than him, maybe not 30 years, but she's yeah, a good like She's a good deal. Well, younger also than him. think and about think it, about this. Sylvester Stallone, at the beginning of the movie, still has a family. Yeah, he finds out that his wife got killed like right after he was incarcerated. Hmm. So essentially, in oh, his, his daughter mind, is in the future. His daughter is there. Well, She's his, but the, his but his wife. Yes. His wife is killed. So as far as he knows, he has a wife. He gets frozen. He -hmm. gets unfrozen. We have to imagine that he wasn't like conscious the entire time, just looking through a block of ice. Though he, he kind of, he, he doesn't, this is kind of one thing that they never really, I don't think they ever really explore this, but like he says that he I feel like he's he either says that he was dreaming and that he had these awful dreams like the whole time that he was in there and which they're like, no, that's not possible. And he's like, well, it happened. Um, and I'm not sure if it's that or if he, or, or if he said he does because it's it's this is now over a week ago that I watched it. I think he might also say something about like his wife seeing him or something like that. I don't know. Maybe I'm mixing things up. Well, be that as it may, he gets unfrozen, finds out that his wife is dead. And then, Mm -hmm. I don't know, later that day or the next day, Sandra Bullock is like, let's have sex. And I mean, he agrees to it, but it's even though it's the like two people wearing helmets sitting across from each other, uh, because there's no physical contact in the future, but it's like yeah, he didn't know that. <laughs> he's pretty quick. He agreed to it. He's he pretty... agreed to it, thinking that there would be contact. Oh yeah, and he is yeah. pretty quick to be like, oh, yeah, okay. Even though he just found out that his wife is dead. That's a good point. Um... That, I don't know. I, that's something that just kind of like bumped me a little bit, and. I know that we're not supposed to be thinking too much about the logistics of being frozen. Yeah, yeah, no, I I mean, I would suggest that might be a bit of a, I don't know. uh, An oversight? Unintentional character flaw? I, I don't know, because he seems like the kind of person who, you know, I don't know, would be loyal and would at least have the consideration of you know he'd be probably mulling over the death of his wife a, a little a Sylvester bit. Stallone character would um sit at the gravestone and cry possibly in the rain yes so and Shirtless. we don't get that from John Spartan no um though this yeah. Sylvester Stallone character like many other before him uh, do like shouting out the name of the the bad guy as they're as they're like getting ready to fight them. Oh yeah, he big gives time. it a pretty good Phoenix. Yeah, like it, it's a classic like top of the mountain Drago. Yeah, it's pretty great. Also, the name Simon Phoenix is just Chef's kiss. Magnificent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so- really, it's like Wesley Snipes. I think of all the aspects of this movie, it definitely, all due respect to Stallone, it definitely picks up when Wesley Snipes is on screen. His scenes with Nigel Hawthorne 
our great who plays Cocteau. Yeah. Well, also, I feel like Wesley Snipes, when he starts saying like funny things, you buy it. Yeah. You know, it feels more yeah. natural coming from him than it does from Stallone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, Dan. Yeah, John. Let's let's see. That's let's look question. into the future. What would you do with this movie? Oh boy. Um. Well, you know, I was kind of trying to think about it, and I, I I'm pretty sure I read somewhere that at some point they had planned possibly a prequel about like Spartan when he first starts pursuing Phoenix. Right. I don't necessarily know that I want to see that because also that would be like taking place in what 1994 in some alternate 1994. I mean, I don't know. Um, so I guess in thinking about possible, like just possible ways to expand on this, I think a sequel could Mm -hmm. be possible. And there's a number of ways I think they could go with it. Um, one could be that, I mean, like, look, if they are freezing these, these people, then I would imagine that they also have extracted DNA samples. Hmm. And I wonder, and it's kind of like, I wonder if perhaps somewhere in the depths of some cryo chamber, there, like, I don't know if it would be that they used like Phoenix's DNA to, um, you know, I don't know, like if they used artificial insemination and they, you know, he's got like some kid out there or if they cloned him. Um, I don't know, because then you're getting into like that digital de-aging right. which I'm, I don't know how I feel about um, I'll it's, report back after I watch The Irishman yeah uh, I feel like it's gotten a little gimmicky especially with Gemini Man yeah um, yeah yeah uh, I didn't see it but oh neither have yeah. I but I feel like no, I've seen everything I need to see yeah so I don't know I was like what if that or what if you had another Because it's like, I'm sure Simon Phoenix wasn't the only one to be put in cryo prison. So, you know, there there were possibly others before him. There were definitely others after him. So I'm just, you could make a sequel that's totally, that's almost totally independent. That doesn't involve Stallone or Snipes. And Uh you could just have, like... You could have this cryo villain from the 90s or, um, you know, whenever. Yeah. They, you know, they escape somehow. And I mean, maybe they don't have to unfreeze like a super cop to chase him. And it can just be that there are that there's, you know, a, a cop who's like, hey, wait a second this happened or like, what if it doesn't even take place in San Angeles? Well, now you're talking about the plot of Austin powers where (laughs) Dr. Evil is frozen. So Austin powers freezes himself so that he gets unfrozen when Dr. Evil comes back. No, I'm not suggesting that anyone freeze themselves. I'm I'm not <laughs> suggesting even involving like John Spart. I'm saying like, what if there's these like you know, all right, like ah, this this crazy person, like you know, I don't know, from the from the '90s escaped, and I don't know. I I, I couldn't really. That was kind of the best, most feasible thing I could think of. Mm-hmm. Okay. What, uh, what did you have in mind? I mean, something similar, uh, but mine would involve Stallone, and it would be a sequel, and um, you know, takes place, I guess, however many years later to make it make sense the way to justify Stallone looking the way that he does, and uh, it could be another thirty-six years. It could be another thirty. Th- yeah, I mean, that makes sense to me. So. In Demolition Man, we see Simon Phoenix doing a lot of stuff in the computers. 
and he just somehow knows how to do it all. And mm-hmm. let's say he did some like hack job that didn't quite initiate, but then 36 years later it initiates and the cryo prison completely, I don't know, shuts down and everybody gets unfrozen. Oh, and now it melts all, down. It literally, it melts, literally down. melts down. And all of the people that, uh, that Stallone put away is all of a sudden back in action. All the people that weren't already unfrozen by Wesley Snipes in Dem- in 2032. Well, yeah, but like... Because he unfreezes everybody. like what? Like eight guys? <laughs> yeah, but like I'm talking everybody is out there. Oh, the whole prison. Everybody. Yeah. Yeah. So he, yeah, so he's got to figure out how in his old age to uh, to take care of business. He needs to train a team. He needs to put together the Expendables. <laughs> no, perhaps a team of younger people. Would you bring back Sandra Bullock? No, no, no. I, yeah, I, I. They didn't make no, sense I, together in 2032. They're not going to make sense together in 2068 or whatever. No, no. Perhaps um, perhaps Nina Huxley could pop up in a cameo towards the end. Uh, yeah, I, I called in some backup. Or just like a picture of her somewhere that he looks to for inspiration. I don't know. All right. That's that's all I got. Yeah. No, I, I really, I don't have much, much more than that. It kind I, of just works as a standalone movie. I wouldn't. I don't know that I would remake it. I think rather than remake it, I would just kind of make a sequel. I mean, at, at best, it kind of seems like the type of thing that like kind of like backdraft too, like right. that well, type of sequel that just pops up on Netflix. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I guess they did that. But yeah. Or what if there is a remake that is a proper adaptation from the Hungarian novel oh yes that is like actually doing justice to the original author you know what's funny is i was thinking about that and then you know what i thought about was and to be fair i never actually saw this movie but the re-adaptation of total recall Mm -hmm. which i believe was kind of marketed as a re-adaptation of the novel Uh versus a remake of the movie well, yeah, the one with Colin Farrell. Which I don't think worked because the movie is so beloved. Yeah. And it, it just works on its own. That like, um, yeah. and, and I guess that could be argued about doing the same thing for Demolition Man. But the thing is, Total Recall is like respected as an actual like good movie. Whereas Demolition Man is like schlock. Yeah, it's it's a step above Judge Judge Dredd. I it's still I've never been able to make it through Stallone's Judge Dredd. No, but the remake is great. Carl Urban or, or the, the re-adaptation. readaptation. Sorry. Yeah, the Carl Urban Dredd is pretty awesome. Yeah, you got me the the DVD. No, the Blu-ray the of it. Blu- you had the, that was when you had your 3D Blu-ray. Yeah, I had a, I had and a 3D TV up until recently. I got you that. I got you the 3D Blu-ray. Yeah, it was pretty badass. Of Dread. Yeah. Yeah, I really... I enjoyed that movie a lot. But the Stallone with where he reteams with Rob Schneider. Um, That's right. Oh, my God. <laughs> Woof. Um, and you know who's the, the bad guy? The villain in that is played by Armand Desante, who really? I usually like. Like, I kind of was watching it for him, and I was just like, oh, this is terrible. Um, so I never made it through that, and I feel like, like, Demolition Man is just kind of like... There shouldn't have been a Judge Dredd after there was a Demolition Man because Demolition Man was like, okay, this is fine. If Judge Dredd had been as good as Demolition Man, it would have been acceptable. Demolition but, Man is fun. It's just 
It's a fun popcorn flick. It's yeah. a fun, you know, shut off your brain and just enjoy the explosions and the and Stallone being Stallone. Yeah, which I mean, if you can stomach it, which I had a lot of trouble with, then uh, by all means, there are somewhere there there are some where it is much worse. Uh, I point of reference would be the specialist. Oh, I don't remember uh, that one came out in fall of 1994 which i also saw in the menlo park mall and it was we're never gonna do an episode we'll never do that it was one, stallone though. it was stallone and stone sharon stone oh, and that was just that was pretty terrible i feel like there are times when he does do like kind of an action comedy like tango and cash I enjoy uh, him in that because of the way it's it's not just him like he's playing off of somebody else who does he, it well. Yes, yeah. Well, he and Kurt Russell are uh are just such a great pair yeah. in that. Yeah, but I don't great, want to talk too much about Tango and Cash of, because great pair of buns. <laughs> it's a it's a butt movie. Sure is. Um but you know what? I I, I kind of want to save our Tango and Cash chat for another time. Yeah. Um, how So, John, I mean, any, any, I don't want to say any final, anything else to say about Demolition Man? Demolition Man is the kind of movie that you forget about. And then as soon as you remember about it, you remember it fondly. I wouldn't recommend rewatching it. I feel like the you know it's it's hard to get past some of the the things about it that I don't know just don't hold up as well. Uh, I at least that was my experience. Did you rewatch it? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Um, what, what was that like for you watching it now compared to watching it at the Menlo Park uh, <laughs> Cinema in '93? I mean, well, <laughs> first of all, I was you know like like I said, 16 years old. So I was the target audience for that movie. Totally. And I, I think that every time I've seen it since, and it was like, it was one of the first movies that um, Alicia and I, uh, my wife, for those who don't know, um, one of the first movies that we watched together. Really? Yeah. Hmm. I think high fidelity was the first that we watched together. Um, but Demolition Man was soon after, and I I don't know. I kind of feel like every time I watch it, I enjoy, I tend to enjoy it, you know, just in, in a nostalgic way and like, oh, yeah, this was a movie I really enjoyed seeing back in the day and that I really enjoy watching every now and again. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it kind of the, the stuff that... You know, maybe when I'm looking at it like this past time, things that I noticed and was maybe a little more, you know, critical about because I was watching it, it to think about it. Right. Um, you know, don't usually bother me. They don't usually distract me from it. And, uh, you know, I the, the, the Sandra Bullock Stallone romance is probably the thing that's most consistently problematic for me. Yeah, and, I, and that I don't even think that necessarily bothered me in 1993. That probably bothered me the last couple of times I watched it. I, I have another question for you. So, I feel like the title of this movie, Demolition Man, even though it's something mm-hmm. that like we don't even think about, but I don't think that it really works for this movie. I mean, they kind of justify the title within the script somewhere and it's kind of like who cares i need to Do tell you disagree you, and well well first of all i have to tell you um so right off one of the the highways um you know down in um you know the very you know southern part of seattle going into um you know Berrien, which is just south of seattle mm-hmm. it, there's off the side of the road, there's, I guess, a 
like demolition business and on the board on like their their signboard like it says demolition man and i mean it has said that for as long as we've lived here Mm -hmm. and it just always makes me think fondly of the movie so i i i don't mind it i don't yeah but i like it I, i don't know i mean do you think that it really works for this movie well what would work better well, that's what I—that's what I was going to ask you. If you could rename this movie, because <laughs> if I could rename because the—I I don't know. I think that I do have a bit of a problem with it being called Demolition Man when it, the key factors of this movie have nothing to do with like his nickname, you know. But they, a lot of it does, though. It's pretty consistently like this. This guy like just clearly goes around and you know, smashes, destroys whatever he feels he he wants to or needs to. I don't know, but I feel like he doesn't necessarily do that in the future. He... It's kind of his lore. He kind of, he kind of adapts. Like, he doesn't... He does it, like, in, to their perspective, he does it. He doesn't quite... Yeah, I don't know. I I, well, I, I think mean, it can kind of still apply. To your knowledge, have there been other significant movies that have like cryogenic freezing in them prior to this? Other than Austin Powers, right? Oh, but prior, prior to this, prior to this. Um, not that I can think of. Because I feel like that's something that should have been focused on a little bit more, I don't know, in the promotion of the movie, in the title of it, too. I don't know. It seems I mean, like a pretty, I'm pretty significant sure it was aspect. prominent in the promotion of the movie. Well, I don't mean like in the trailers or anything like that, but like within the title, I feel like it needed something. Actually, I wonder what the tagline for this movie was. I'm going to look that up real quick. I'm I'm trying to think like how would you, what, what would you call it like, thawed? Yeah, right. Frozen. (laughs) Frozen. Uh, Thawed. Thawed vengeance. Um. Yeah. Do you want to blow some shit up (laughs) and run around and shoot some guns? All right. So taglines according to IMDb we have the future isn't big enough for the both of them. Okay. Uh, I guess that's true because, you know, they take care of it. I don't know. The 21st century's most dangerous cop, the 21st century's most ruthless criminal. He's not the most dangerous cop. He's just the only one that uses his 20th century instincts. I don't know. Yeah, I well, I don't know if they're referring to him like in the 20th century being the most dangerous. Co- like, I don't know. Yeah. Then we've got in the year 2032, Simon Phoenix escape, escapes from prison on the. This is not a tagline. This is. That's a synopsis. Yeah. In the year 2032, Simon Phoenix escapes from prison on the verge of uh, bringing crime uh, to San Angeles. One man is called back to duty as a last resort. They call him the demolition man. In the 21st century, the police aren't equipped to handle this kind of violence. Oh, I know John what Spartan I would call isn't it. equipped to mm. handle this kind of peace and harmony. What would you call it? Well, no, I was just thinking, but nah, never mind. Because um, I was thinking, I was like, oh, yeah, like murder, death, kill. That comes up a lot. Yeah. Murder, death, kill would be a really good one. Yeah. MDK. That's a good Maybe call. That, I mean... It's a little, it's a dark title for this movie. Perhaps if it was remade or readapted from the Hungarian novel, that could be a potential title. Yeah. Because it seems be like well. it would probably have a darker feel. Be well. Would you call it be well? I don't know. That that doesn't seem to have the right tone. Yeah. I don't know. Well, if any of, if any of our listeners the have any ideas paradox. for, uh, yeah, right. Uh, if any of our listeners have any ideas for um, what they would do with this property or uh, yeah. any, any alternate titles for it, 
Uh, it's uh, ruinedchildhoodspod at gmail.com. Um, we're also on Instagram at ruinedchildhoodspod. Dan, what's our uh, movie for the next episode? Our next episode, 1984's Beverly Hills Cop. So with Eddie Murphy kind of making his comeback with uh, Dolomite is my name. Yeah. Is that is that what it's called or my mm-hmm. name is Dolomite? Dolomite right. is my name. Um, Dolomite is my name on Netflix, which I am really looking forward to watching. Apparently, Eddie Murphy gives what people are calling a um, award caliber performance. I'm excited. As Rudy Ray Moore. But, um, you know, we're going back not quite to where it all began, but the movie that really, like, solidified him as, um, like, one of the biggest stars of the 1980s. Yeah. Um, not to mention he had some pretty big hits in the 90s and uh, nominated totally. for an Oscar in the early 2000s for Dreamgirls. Was that Dreamgirls? Yeah. But yeah, which makes me w- worry now that with Dolomite is my name getting this, uh, you know, Oscar talk that like Norbit 2 is going to come out in January. Wasn't but there a anyway. Norbit 2? Oh, God, no. Why did I think I there was not. a Norbit 2? imagine that 2 or something. Anyway, we're not talking about any of that. We're going to talk about Beverly Hills Cop. Um, and that Beverly Hills Cop 2 from 1987 and 1994's Beverly Hills Cop 3 featuring the return of Serge. Oh my God, I'm so excited. I'm trying to decide if I'm going to rewatch all of them. I might try to do that. Good luck to you, John. If I manage to rewatch anything this week... um, I, I may try to watch three because I don't think I've seen it since it was in the theater. And well, one, mm, I've just mm, seen so many. Oh, no, yeah. I'm not going to say any more about that. But um, I've seen the others several times. So that said, John, good journey. Good journey, man. This is AI meets a primal genus Insanity combined with genius Demolition man, Simon Phoenix In the last day's final sequence Rising to the higher zenith point The Shiva joint with the Messiah Jesus Higher than the pyramids in Cairo, Egypt Still deepest passages that lie beneath it Where they hide the secrets All the tribal leaders prayed to Bollock's fetus Stars align, but when I start to rhyme Mars collides with Venus New horizons, let's see how wide it reaches Picture me reclining On private beaches till the climate freezes Strong survive, the squeamish die, find the weakness You don't like me, suck the sperm from inside my penis I'll drop a science thesis, here's the magnum opus The web I weave will leave Spider-Man arachnophobic Disgruntled, mixed humble and braggadocious That's a double-edged sword, I'ma slash your throat with I've advanced beyond your flows eons ago Spitting viciously, complex